Welcome to LifePoint Church. Our mission is to glorify God and make gospel-driven disciples by engaging people in the unexpected joy of a life more and more dependent on Jesus. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I want to uh, tee up and get looking at our, our scripture here again today, and I'm just going to quickly summarize where we've been since January 1st as we started this series. Quickly summarize. This is a petitionary prayer that Jesus is teaching us. Jesus, the best teacher to teach us how to address his Father. What great insight he is giving us. What great uh, counsel he is giving us. And this is truth. And so this isn't just a good idea. This is how to do it. This is how to do it. So in the first petition, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, Zach shared with us how we are to approach God with reverence, with awe. Hallowed be your name, our heavenly Father. Uh, so the second week, uh, we got to hear Dale preach about the second and third petition. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We get to learn how God desires for not just in heaven, but on earth. Jesus is requesting that on earth our conduct would be as if it is in heaven. Uh, your kingdom come. Let us be advocates of advancing the kingdom. So Dale was, was helpful for us in understanding those two. Wes came up and shared with us about the fourth petition, give us this day our daily bread. And he, and he got to push up the glasses and nerd out a little bit and teach us a new word and uh, learn about how it's not just food, but our daily needs that we can come to Jesus, come to the Lord looking for provision to be our provider. And then last week, Zach shared with us about pardon. Pardon, how we have been forgiven. Uh, we've forgiven our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And I think that's so unique how Jesus, how Jesus prays that as we have forgiven. We are to be a forgiving people. Christians above all should be a forgiving people, eager to forgive because we've been forgiven so, so, so very much from our Father in heaven. Today we look at the last, the sixth petition. Jesus concludes by saying, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Remember, that as Jesus has teed up for us on how to pray, he's also taught us on, in just the verses preceding this on how not to pray, how not to pray. He says it like this, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And then he goes on to say, pray then like this. So he teaches us how not to pray, but I just want to pause and just say I'm just so grateful for this series and the teaching that I've been receiving alongside each one of you uh, these past five weeks and that it's really helped us, I think, collectively to be much more attuned and keen for our opportunities to pray and to take advantage of those opportunities to pray. 
Um, and maybe even you've been like myself where when I have found myself praying, I find myself leaning in to Jesus and, and his teaching here a little bit further, a little bit deeper, maybe a little bit longer, maybe a little bit uh, more vulnerable. So I pray that that's been for you the, the case personally. You know, prayer is, prayer is deeply personal, is it not? It's a, it's a, it's a, as Jesus has told us, go into your closet and pray to your Father who is in heaven. You know, it's also, it's a very much a personal time because it's a, it's a time of exposing our hearts. Prayer involves our hearts. Oftentimes we think it's just gonna involve our mind and our intellect or, and our thinking, but when you get honest with your Father who is in heaven, it can't help but to start pulling on that heart. Prayer is challenging for, for many people. Prayer is challenging for many people, and I think as I think about why that is challenging is because we're so, we're so self-sustaining, we're so self-reliant, we're so busy with our agendas, with what we need to get done, much of it is about I, 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 I throughout this, this, this life that we travel. And prayer is much more as Jesus is even identifying here. Look at the language he uses. It's, it's, it's we, it's us, it's ours. Jesus is calling us to come together and to pray. Jesus is calling us to come personally in our prayer closets to pray but anytime prayer happens, as you will see through this, this, this portion here, this passage, it involves the heart. It is Jesus is getting to our hearts. Um, so whether it's small things, whether it's big things, whether it's vulnerable things, Jesus is encouraging us to pray through all these. He is our Father. He is worthy of our trust, our Heavenly Father. So looking forward to growing this year. Part of our vision is bold prayer. That is our vision for this year, to help us accomplish the neighborhoods and the nations. And this year we are focusing on boldly praying. And so I'm looking forward to this, the season that we're walking into in a few weeks here of 40 days of, of prayer and, uh, and fasting. So looking forward to that. I think we should also take notice of what our youth ministry has been doing as of recently. You guys don't know this, so it's my job to bring this to your attention. Our youth ministry, per under the leadership of Andrew Madison, our, our youth pastor, has been teaching on prayer since this summer. They've been teaching on prayer on Sunday mornings through this summer, and they're taking one, one Sunday a month to go through and pray. Now they're dividing up individually. They've been pr praying individually, but they've been teaching on prayer. They've, the scriptures have been open, and they have been learning how to pray. And just this past week, they, they, they started learning how to pray together in small groups, clusters of twos and threes. Uh, they'll have a youth leader get up there and lead them in a prompt, and they'll pray for three, four, or five minutes, go through another prompt. Pray. So take encouragement in what's happening with our youth minister. They're doing a good job being led by our youth pastor, Andrew, and his wife, Audrey, and many other youth workers alongside them. So it's not just us learning. The youth are ahead of us. They're, we're catching up to them. 
I want to get into our, our, our passage here together today. And after we look at the fourth, the fourth petition, which is talking about provision, give us our daily bread. Uh, that's about provision. That's speaking of provision. And last week we got to learn about pardon, how we have been forgiven much. We've been forgiven much by our Father in heaven. And also that we are to forgive one another, those who have hurt us. Um, and remember, Zach had those two sticky notes out last week. Do you guys remember these sticky notes? Yes. Yes. Yes, one sticky note. One sticky note was for maybe just one sin, maybe more, that you needed to confess to your Father in heaven. And then that second sticky note. Do you remember the second sticky note? Yes. Yes. To someone who you need to forgive and to write their name down and to forgive them. Uh, We are to be a forgiving people, you know. And that was a great sermon. I was not here for it, but I got to listen to it because of being recorded. I got to listen to it uh, on Monday because uh, I was out of town. But uh, what a timely message for our congregation, what a timely message for me to remember how much we've been forgiven and to be a forgiving people. So we move from provision to pardon to today. We're looking at the sixth petition, which has two clauses, which is of protection. Protection. That's what this last verse, I believe, is really drawing us to. Let's take a look at this verse together. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let me read it again. Take a look at it again. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Is there anything in there that kind of trips you up? Is there something that makes you say, wait, what? This verse can be misunderstood. And it's primarily because of that first line there, and lead us not into temptation. Okay, so in order to understand and move our study together further, we gotta understand what this word temptation means. Because if you're like me, it does not mean what you think it means when you're listening to it in our English language. So, and lead us not into temptation. What is temptation? What is temptation? Well, the Greek word here is called pederosomos. Pederosomos. Say that with me. Pederosomos. Yeah, we should. Let's stick with English, folks. Pederosomos is meaning to be tri- under trial or to be test, a test or temptation. Okay, trial, test, or temptation. In the New Testament, this word is used 21 different times for either trial, test, or temptation. Uh, Don't look at this word like we do in English as if to entice or to lure or to to be uh, anything scandalous or unfair. It's... This is really, to look at this as a, as a word of understand trial and test, and then stretch your mind to understand a little bit further, as mine has had to, be, had to be stretched as well, to understand temptation. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus is sharing a kind of a positive and a negative that complement each other and say the same thing with the two clauses here. So to look at this word, how Jesus used it, in other occasions, let's take a look how Jesus used it in other occasions, okay? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, watch 
and prayed that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So he knows that you gotta be careful, be so very, very careful that in, t- in a time of testing or trial or temptation, be very, very careful because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus is speaking to this because we know of Jesus is fully God, but he's also fully man. He knows what it's like to have a heartbeat. He knows what it feels like when that heart starts to, to beat quicker. A little bit of, of adrenaline rush. He knows what that feels like. Secondly, another verse that he goes on to, these, these next two are combined. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. He's warning them. He's like, I, want, I need you guys praying right now. And then he comes back to them and he finds them, he finds them, they all, they're all sleeping. As he went to go pray by himself, they're all, all of his friends are now sleeping. In verse 46, he says, and he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Each one of these, uh, these last three verses, in addition to ours, it uses the phrasing into temptation. Into may be the buzzword here, as Timothy Keller shares in his book. It may be the word that helps us understand because when you step into temptation, you become all the more vulnerable. And so Jesus is is praying a prayer of protection for us in the concluding of this teaching on prayer, the teaching on prayer that he's been asked to give here. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus is taking a very strong stance here against sin. Very strong stance. It's almost like he is really uh, serious about all things. He really is. He's, he's taking this as like, I do not want there to be even just an ounce of sin in your life because of the damaging effects it has upon you and those around you. If we stop and think about that for just a moment, Jesus is very serious about us not being trapped into sin. And if you think about yourself, you might start thinking, am I, am I as serious about keeping sin far from me? Have I learned to tolerate sin around in my camp because it doesn't feel like it's really having any sort of effect? So maybe just tolerating a certain sin, certain sins, is allowable. Jesus is very, very adamant, very, very clear in his prayer here. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now we know this word temptation also means trial and test, and trial and testing is something that we are familiar with. If you've been familiar with your Bible for some time, you'll know that certainly in the Old Testament, it's, it's full of opportunities where God has tested his people. Abraham offering up his son Isaac, being tested. Uh, Job certainly being tested, his faith being tested. And the Bible is full of opportunities where we get to see where testing, testing actually has a, 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 a positive benefit. A positive benefit where it will reveal a maturity of faith and dependence upon God. That's the goal of a trial. That's the goal of a test is to mature our faith. 
So those of you who've been walking with Jesus for some time, you have walked through trials in your past. Think back to some of those trials, and some of those trials, as I think back to some of mine, I can start wincing physically. Like, they hurt. They left a mark. I can't think about it. I can't drive by a certain building without thinking like, oh, man, something really tough happened there. A trial of where your faith was challenged. A, a, a trial where maybe even your faith where you questioned. And things weren't just happy-go-lucky and easy on cruise control, but it was bumpy, it was rocky, it was slow, and it was fast. So trials do. And you find yourself leaning, needing to lean on something that is secure and substantial. Our Father wants that to be Him. I want to be clear here that God never tempts us to sin. He never, ever tempts us to sin. It's not in the Bible anywhere. In fact, in just a moment here, I'm going to get to a passage where it's very clear where He does not do that. He, he does want to, in times, to test us. And I've got to say into what I think that Jesus is going to, what Jesus is getting at here in just a moment. I'm a dad, I'm a father, a father of three, three girls, three young women now, 24, 22, and 21 years of age. And I've enjoyed, loved being their father. It's been an incredible privilege, an incredible responsibility to be a father of three girls, to be a girl dad. And... Uh, you know, I've, I've had the rich opportunity to be their father in some um, planned chaos. Some planned chaos, okay? So if you've ever taught your child to ride a bicycle, okay? There's a plan, but there's a little bit of chaos that comes with that. You taught your, your, your children how to swim. There's certainly some planned chaos with that. I took it as they grow, grew older. I was able to take two of them, two of them on these backpacking trips, uh, multiple nights in the backwoods, off the trail and using, uh, you know, just little tents and, and little camping stoves and a little bit of food and finding our water, you know. I was able to do that with two of them. Two of them. One of them was preferred the lessons to come in the mall, you know. <laughs> uh, could not... Could not quite get her beyond the camping site, um, the car camping site. But in these opportunities to be with my children where there's, where there's some risk, there's a, some perceived and very real danger that, that lies ahead, it's, it's a wonderful opportunity for them to see the real me at the same time. The real, how am I going to respond uh, to some danger, to some unfortunate circumstance? Uh, the, Two years ago, we were hiking in, uh, uh, outside of Aspen, outside of Crest, Crested Butte, and uh, it's a place where they're now thinking about releasing wolves for the first time this fall. And we were way in the backcountry in beautiful, high, high mountains, challenging at steep grades and beautiful wildflowers, but on the very first day, we walk into a rainstorm, and we're walking for a full hour through, full rain, and I pull out, and we get dry, we're getting protected, we're in the trees, the rain stops, and I said, well, let's do a, uh, let's, let's fill up our water bottles, we gotta do a water detail, and our only water filter has a hole in it, it's broke. 
We, we have no ability to make fresh water for the rest of the trip. This is one and a half hours into our trip. And so they get to see like, well, how's dad gonna problem solve this? So I'm pulling out duct tape left and right and it's not working. And, but, uh, and they're watching, how is dad going to react? What is dad gonna do? And uh, it puts me in a position to be vulnerable before them because I was looking to forward to great water throughout a great trip. Unfortunately, I had f- packed a whole bunch of potable aqua tablets, little iodine tablets. And so we were able to ruin all of our water bladders for the rest of the trip, stained red, but we had fresh, clean, drinkable water. They got to see me struggle over passes and struggle down the hill. They got to see me basically crawl to the trailhead at the very end of our trip together, broken. My knee was just, had knives in it everywhere. And I just fell into the water and just soaked there for half an hour, cold water in the river. We had so many times to be able to be real with another, address our fears, got to hear dad's stories, got to ask dad questions about what the Bible says about something. I remember, I, for, I remember going on, on the record saying, girls, just so you know, just so you know, we, your mother and I love you. We've been praying. We've been praying for you before you started your life. We've been praying for you at birth. At your birth, we've been praying and lifting up. If God has you to be marrying a man, we've been praying for that man. And we want you to know, we want you to know that it means so much to us. I'm looking at some families out there that I've been able to see them marry and watch, them, watch their kids marry here and, and marry well. And it's like, we want you to marry well. That will be our best day to know that you are choosing a man who chooses Jesus before you. We're praying for that. I get to have those conversations as a dad caring for them. And they're leaning into these stories. They're leaning into these conversations. And this is the privilege. This is the opportunity each and every one of you get to do with him. With him. He desires to hear your heart. He desires to hear your fears. He desires to hear you pray as we've been instructed to pray. He wants to spend time with you. I gotta pick up the pace. I gotta pick up the pace. God never tempts us to sin. I mean, if you go home with anything, go home with that. Go home with that, ever. Let's look at the verse together where it explains this. James chapter one, verses 13 through 14. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. So in here, let's take a look at this. I've broken it up, and there's two different Greek words here for this word tempted. The first one here, tempted, is used four different times. I've underlined it for you there. Four different times, perazo. This is the verb form of the, of the Greek word I just shared with you earlier, which means trial, test, or temptation. This is the verb form of it, so it's tempted, tempted, tempted. Okay, but now there's one tempt in there that is not underlined, and I've underlined it here for you. God cannot be tempted with evil. This word, aparastas, means without temptation. The writer of James felt like it was so important to use a different word for tempted to show and demonstrate that God is, is, is not at all being tempted 
to sin, to be tempted by evil. It's outside of his character. And what's so unique about this word is it's used one time in the whole New Testament, this particular Greek word. That's how intentional and specific the writer is trying to explain God can never be tempted with evil. Okay? So let's look at the second clause of our verse here. The second clause of this verse here, which is a, a prayer of protection again, and what Jesus is trying to get to us. And he says, but deliver us from evil. But deliver us from evil. So what is evil? Poneros, evil, wicked. And it can be seen as in the masculine case, this is the devil. This is Satan, okay? Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from Satan or even deliver us from evil people in some occasions. Jesus was tempted by Satan. And I want to read for you guys, read through it. Open up your Bibles in Matthew chapter 4. You're going to be, get familiar with this once again. But this is a real-life example that happens two chapters before our lesson on the Jesus teach on how to pray. We get to see very close and real what Jesus is being tempted by, the devil. Jesus was tempted by Satan in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. And it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Dang. So he's, being, he's going into the wilderness, and he's going to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. He, no kidding. 40 days, 40 nights. I get hungry four hours after my last meal. I get hangry about 12 hours without food. 40 days and 40 nights. This is beyond hunger. This is humbling. This is just a feeling of weakness. And he's finding his strength from his father. 40 days and 40 nights. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And Jesus quotes back Deuteronomy 8 3. It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. As hungry as he is, he is not breaking his fast with the devil. He could turn those, those stones into bread. He is not falling for the devil's trap. Verse 5, then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, now the Satan is picking up on Jesus. You want to quote some scriptures? I'll quote some to you. He will command his angels concerning you, Psalm 91, 11 and 12. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So Satan's saying, hey man, scripture can support you doing this. You're on the top end of the temple. It's 180 feet down, 18 stories. But wouldn't this be a show? Wouldn't this be a show for people to see how you really are the Son of God because you can command the angels and they'll protect you. Do this and you will get pride. You will get fame. You won't even have to Drink that cup. You won't even have to take those lashes. You won't have to be betrayed. You won't have to bear up that cross. Take it now. So he's gone after Jesus and fulfilling the, the, 
his very hungry stomach with pleasure, the pleasure of food. And then secondly, he's being tempted with this, this, this sin of pride and, and, and Jesus again stands up to it and he quotes Deuteronomy 6, 16. Jesus says again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And then lastly, the third temptation, again, the devil came to him in a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, he said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, you enemy of God. Be gone, that's what Satan means, enemy of God. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Quotes Deuteronomy 6.13 to him. Jesus knows. Jesus knows all authority in heaven belongs to the Father. And, he, and we know in Matthew chapter 28, the concluding verses of this very book, that gives the Great Commission where Jesus starts off by saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is the resurrected Christ speaking. The resurrected Christ after he loved you and died for your sins on that cross. This is, this is our Jesus. This is our Jesus teaching us to pray teaching us to pray that yes, he is going to provide for you. Yes, he is going to pardon you and therefore you need to pardon one another. And lastly, this is a prayer of protection, protection against sin. Pray for this. Folks, this needs to enter our personal prayer lives. We need to learn how to pray, how to come together and pray and to seek his face. We will all be tempted. We will all be tempted. And it'll probably be in one of these three categories of pleasure, of pride, of power. Just like Jesus was, was, was tempted, we have got to put on the armor of God, as Ephesians chapter 6 tells us to do, and pray that there is no gap in our armor where a scheming arrow can fling and have its effect on us. Sin is deadly, folks. It is deadly. Make war against sin. Jesus is, finds it so important here, so important that he has given us a prayer of protection here. The English Standard Version Bible, Study Bible gives uh, a statement of what Jesus may be trying to get at here, and it says this, which I think there's some truth in it. Allow us, allow us to be spared. This is... A, a, form, a, a, a paraphrase of what Jesus is saying, allow us to be spared from difficult circumstances that would tempt us to sin. Allow us those. But there's my, we're gonna find folks that we're gonna find ourselves in trials. God is not done giving us trials to mature our faith, for us to lean and depend on him. But in this prayer of protection, as we're being tested, whether the test is about finances and your whole stable financial construction is actually turned out to be a house of cards and it's just falling right in front of you, that can be a vulnerable spot, a vulnerable spot of trial that you're going through. Maybe it's a health scare for you. It just freaks you out. Even if I, you, I said that word, health, health scare, that word, that phrase, makes knots happen in your stomach. You've got unresolved conflict with a, a friend and it, it just, uh, just starts turning and grinding and you just feel anxious and you feel hot in the back of your neck. You start to feel sweaty. You may have marital troubles. You may feel like there's no way that we could ever forgive one another. There's no way. There is a way. In Jesus, we can do all things. With Jesus, nothing is impossible. 
We can do all things through him. We need to come to him as our Heavenly Father and pray and seek him and resist sin and fight sin. I want to share with you a beautiful verse that maybe some of you have been anticipating. is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Find the hope in this. Know that you're not alone. Know that Jesus was tempted way harder probably than you ever will be. Know that you're not alone in your life group. Know that you're not alone in this church. Know that you're not alone. Jesus is for you. The Father is for you. He is loving you. Last verse, uh, last quote, I'll say, last quote I want to share with you. Uh, I gathered from a, a book called Prayer by Richard Foster, and in it he quotes St. Augustine saying, true, whole prayer is nothing but love. True, whole prayer, true. Whole prayer is nothing but love. And that just sings for me. That just sings for me because that's what we do with the things we love. So we engage. Before worship service started, I got a chance to talk with, uh, just this happened an hour ago. An hour ago in this room, I got to talk with a friend of mine who is 91 years young. And I asked him, when did you come to trust Jesus as your only hope, as your, as your only hope to heaven, as your Lord and Savior, as a forgiver of all your sins and the leader of your life? And he says, I was 36 years old. It was 1965. There's a church across town. And he said, yep, I, I kept going to church and I kept hearing this news, this news, and I said, I need to know more about that. So he called the pastor, and the pastor met him at church, and they prayed together on a Thursday night. And it changed his life. And you know what he said after that? And I did not prompt him. I did, he did not know what I'm preaching about today. He says, you know what he says? He says, I just love talking to him. I just love talking to him. Truer words have never been said. Let's learn from our friend here together. We all have steps to take. Some of us have been angry with the Father. Some of us have been distancing ourselves from the Father. Just like you come to a family reunion, you come, you show up, but you stay on the other side of the room from Him. Even to church every Sunday, you come, but you're not engaging with the Father. I'm telling you it's time to stop. Lay that down. It's time to lay it down and embrace the Father. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He wants you to be known by Him and He wants you to know Him. That concludes LifePoint Church's podcast. For more information about our church, visit sharethelife.org.